So, this is the self-development with tactics. Book. So, as you can already see, we're going to go through crucial conversations. Um, it is about tools for talking when stakes are high. So, especially when it is about emotions and stuff you know, that, that you can't just communicate. Also, when you're talking to specific people, when you're just, uh, when stakes are high, you know, when there's a lot of things on the line and you shouldn't do things. Um, yeah. yeah, this is what we're going to go through today. And I'm just going to start reading. In a nutshell, many defining moments, quote unquote, uh, in life comes from having crucial conversations as these create significant shifts in attitude and behavior. This book focuses on techniques on how to hold such conversations in a positive space when surrounded by highly charged emotion, emotions. Their findings are based on 25 years of research with 20,000 people, which is a pretty a lot of thing. And it is also a relatively long summary. And I'm looking forward to that. There's just many more summaries. This might not even be the best summary, but it's not just the longest one because I just didn't feel like going through just, I don't know, thousands of words. But yeah, we will see. The model has essentially seven steps. The first one is start with the heart, i.e. empathy and positive intent, then stay in dialogue, make it safe, don't get hooked by emotions or hook them, agree a mutual purpose, separate facts from story, and then agree a clear action plan. The book, our success in life is dedicated by the quality of relationships we can engender. Some people seem better at negotiating better quality outcomes for all than others do. They work with people rather than through people. They are able to hold deeper, more honest conversations that create a new level of bonding and are able to transform people, situations and relationships. By being prepared to hold these conversations often early, they ensure clarity of or over responsibility, define expectations and hence maintain a high level maintain high levels of performance. When we let these conversations go by, we let standards slip and unwittingly give permission for unwanted behavior to continue. Crucial conversations lie all around us all the time, from performance appraisals at work up to discussion problems or sexual intimacy. The skills we need in a, bo in a boardroom are the same skills we need in a bedroom. Notarius and Markham, two marriage scholars, examined couples in the midst of heated rows and found people fell into one of three behavior camps. Those who get emotionally drawn in and resort to threats and name-calling, and those who silently fume, and those who speak openly, honestly, and effectively. Upon analysis, they found those in the third camp were more likely to stay together, yes. I, by the way, just to, to, to communicate that, I'm just heavily in the first section, heavily, which is not good. Furthermore, a study by Key cold and glasser on, on the immune system demonstrated that those couples who routinely failed in conducting successful crucial conversations had weak immune systems than those who resolved their issue effectively. When communities have been studied, they found that it was not necessarily those communities with the most problems which were dysfunctional, but those communities that dealt with uh, the issues inappropriately. Communities that embraced the issues and discussed it open, honest dialogue were healthier than those who either tried to control or ignore them. Crucial conversations by their, by their very definition are important and can affect a person's life. Uh, there are three factors that tend to define a crucial conversation. First, opinions differ. Second of all, the stakes are high. And third of all, emotions are high. If handled properly, they create breakthroughs. If handled badly, they can lead to breakdowns. Whole relationships can hang on how these are dealt with. And the reality is many people do not deal with them well or at all. They live in either a suboptimal state or hope 
that situation will resolve itself. This book outlines a process that leads to greater success at holding crucial or critical conversations. The first one is, as I've also and already been telling you, is start with the heart. And this is something that I really appreciate because I am assuming that it really is about just being nice and having good intent. And this is just something that I'm always going to point out and I'm always going to just point towards and point to as something that I just really truly appreciate and think is important. Where you come from detects where you uh, will go. Yeah, good reading. How we discuss something is often the real issue rather than what we are discussing. Thus, we need to be in the right place ourselves and create the right spaces for other people. So first, we need to manage our emotions and mindset. If we approach the situation with the wrong emotions and mindset and enter a conversation in a place of anger, resentment or revenge, having already made up our mind about someone, it is unlikely to end the way we need it to. Instead, we have to start with a positive intent and goodwill for the other person. It is difficult to change another person, but easy to change yourself. So the first principle of dialogue is to start with yourself or ourselves. We often see the issue to be with the other person, but we are also culpable. Pable, culpable. For example, we often play games in relationships. For example, salute and stay mute, freeze your lover or murder, hiding behind sides, raised eyebrows, uh, hints, sarcasm, or innuendo you rather than confronting the issue. And when we do decide to act, we lurch to the other extreme, leading to hyperbole, overly directive and de detective communication where we do not listen. Both extremes, both both extreme fail. Thus, we need to enter the conversation being open. Our unique past experiences are brought to bear on any, uh, on any situation we find ourselves in, and this unique past creates meaning of that event. Hence, it is critical to not assume that our view is the only truth. After all, we may be wrong. We must therefore ensure we understand the differing uh, perspective and meanings people have of an event in order to hold an effective debate. Furthermore, we need to maintain a place of mutual respect. Realistically, the only way to remain in conversation is to be authentic. Our verbal and nonverbal communication will play witness or witness to the truth, something that the other person will often unconsciously sense. But how do you feel respect for a person that we do not respect? Often feelings of disrespect come from focusing on what we and what's different from us. To build a level of respect, we need to instead focus on areas that uh, they are similar to us on. We all have weaknesses and it is a case of accepting that their weaknesses that their weakness is no weaker than our own. Said F or if I think it's if, isn't it? Yeah, it could be. If the witticism caught in this prayer. Oh, whatever. Lord, help me forgive those who sin differently than I. Differently. The second point is stay in dialogue. The key to critical conversations is to always stay in dialogue. If the lines of by the way, I could actually make it bigger because it's fucked up. The key to cr critical conversations is to always stay in dialogue. If the lines of communication go down, then there is no hope for a resolution. Only when we are talking, what? Only when we are talking can we get all the relevant information out in the open, and this requires a two-way flow of information. It's not only one-way flow. It's not only going to be one person that's talking and one person that's listening, but it's going to be on both sides. It's going to be one person talking, then the other person listening, and um, yeah, having this in a more or less uh, what is it called? Well, yeah, indirect thing or something. I don't know. Make it safe. We need to make a person feel safe. The safer they feel, the more likely they are open to they are to open up. The greater their fear, the more likely they will either close down or fight back. Closing down can take one of three forms, 
masking, uh, where we pretend to agree and be listening at ETC, but we're actually not doing this, avoiding distraction techniques and withdrawing. Being in a high-risk conversation or any conversation for that matter requires total sensory ac acuity. We need to be awake to all nuances that are taking place. The faster you spot them, the quicker you can adapt. Dealing with people is not about having a fixed plan. We need to keep the end in mind and flexible, addressing the issues as they emerge through that dynamic exchange. We get so drawn into the conversation we may miss the bigger picture. We focus on the words and fail to read the cues around us. Three key areas to look for. When a moment of conversation turns crucial, signs that the other person does not feel safe and also being aware of own style and that yours. Example for all of these includes our own feelings plus for them a tightening. For them a tightening of eyes, change in energy and language and tone. Thus, we need to be triple processing, content, context and self. This often involves self-observation and as if we were watching another person. When one senses a situation is becoming unsafe, we need to step out of the conversation and not get caught in the game that is now in play. And instead, keep focused on the end desired outcome. If we stay in content to try to fix a safety issue, then all we do is water down what we were going to say. And I've just gotten an email from my headmaster. And I'm interested in what it's going to be all about, you know, hopefully, and maybe something interesting. If we stay in control to try to fix a safety issue, then all we do is water down the, what we are going to say, so fail to achieve the cut-through that was required. We need to instead focus on the context. Often people have uh, token what's been said and created a negative meaning out of it. This needs to be addressed often by merely restarting. Uh, your positive intent. For example, can we just switch gear for a minute? For a minute, my goal here is not to make you feel guilty. My intent is purely to help us both find a way through this together. And I don't know. Um, and and I just already like this book and also the authors, just because you know I, I just I don't know. You know, it might just be the best way to do things. But I just really appreciate being nice and being like, well, could we just I don't know. Um, as they said, my goal here is not to make you feel guilty. Like, the only thing that I want to do is just talk to you. And I just don't want to make you feel bad. I don't want you, I just don't want to get you in a just bad position. I don't want to get into, get you into a bad spot. I just, I don't know. I'm just interested in you. I'm whatever, whatever it might be, whatever the conversation conversation might be about. Um, I think it is truly an important thing to, to just communicate things, I guess. Because... This is not necessarily something that a lot of people are going to tell you, maybe, and not, not going to say, even though they feel like this, you know, they feel like, well, I just, I, I don't know, I actually just want to talk to you, and I, I just, there is no other reason but me talking to you, and I just, I just want to know you, I just want to know you better. That's it, there's no just uh, thing in, in the back of my mind, there's nothing that I think about, there's nothing that I'm going for secretly or some shit, I just want to do this, I just want to do that. Of course, I mean, you could be lying, you know, it could be the case, but I guess that, that people really can spot that. And, and something that I do also want to point out is that if you don't lie often, and if you just try to never lie, then, then first of all, you're going to feel better personally. And I, and I don't know, I would also necessarily, I, I would also say that, I don't know, I think that, that you're also going to be... I think that your body language is going to be different, isn't it? You know, 
I don't know, like, I, I just think that you're never going to be in a bad spot if you just don't lie. I, I hate lying. I don't, I just really don't like that. Sometimes I feel like that, yes, it might be a good thing to do, because sometimes it can just make things um, easier, better, and whatnot. But on the other hand, it just really depends on how you communicate things. It really depends on that. You can communicate the exact same thing in various different ways. You can really um, communicate something in a way that makes it way worse than it actually is and also make it way better than it actually is. And I actually kind of default into just making it way worse than than the real deal is. You know, I just really try to communicate all, all the facts and all the things that I know. And then just most often it turns out to be then pretty fucking negative, even though it is actually not, which is the funny thing. And also actually kind of the, the really bad thing because, because yeah, I mean, it's it, it's not good, you know, because then people think that it is so, so bad and, and, and whatnot and stuff like that and shit and whatnot, but it is actually not the case, at least not as I have per- portrayed it. Uh, where did I start? Oh, yeah. Uh, we reestablish safety primarily by listening. We need to demonstrate that we are willing to listen openly and respectfully to them. This can only be done from an authentic place of compassion and curiosity. Critically, we need to encourage them to tell us everything. Sometimes we want them to backfill the story as a way of understanding where the issue ultimately stems from. As, they, uh, as the saying goes, every sentence, every sentence has a story. Hopefully, the more you pull from them, the more their emotions will subside. Furthermore, having listened carefully to them, they are the more open to listen to us. There are four paths to powerful listening. AMPP, ask to get things rolling. Common invitations include, I would really like to hear your opinions on whatnot. Then mirror to confirm feelings. Critical in the stage is your t- or our tone of voice. We play back what we sense. For example, I sense you're angry. You look unsure. Wait, wait, wait. Mirror to confirm feelings. Critical in this stage is our tone of voice. We may play back what we sense, for example. Ah, I sense you're angry, you look unsure. Paraphrase to acknowledge their story. The key is to stay out of emotions and use their language as much as possible. We might start this off with a phrase like, let's see if I have got this right. Um, The area we must want to cover are the meanings they have put onto things. And the last one is prime. Uh, when we are getting to nowhere, for those who go into flight, we, need, we we might need to encourage them to speak by suggesting something we think they are thinking or feeling. I guess you think I'm I'm being unfair. I sense you're angry. And this is just things that I've heard just a million times before. First of all, using the same words as the other, pe- uh, as the other person. The second of all, mirroring. Um, even though this is not the uh, exact same mirroring, I guess, as, as I just know it. And... And, and third of all, just pointing out how, other, how the other person might be feeling. I, I just, the thing is, I just know so much about this stuff, but I feel like that I'm never ever fucking using it. <laughs> Which is kind of a pissed off and, and fucked up thing. Um, but, but it is what it is, you know, it's, what should I be doing? Sometimes we do say something wrong. Sometimes we do say something wrong. We all do it so it's no harm to admit it. Authentically apologize and then move on. If we do not do this, then uh, respect and trust are diminished. This act of saying sorry often breaks the emotional intensity that is building up and sets a, a symbolic presented or preceded. If we apologize and show we are fallible, it allows them to do the same. Finally, if people doubt you, state your intent twice. 
once uh, once is a negative juxtaposed with its positive, for example, I don't think, I do think, ah, I see, or I, what, I'm not trying to, ma- I'm not trying to make you feel, I want to make you feel, blah, blah, blah. Often this can be a powerful way of eliciting, tapping into what they are really thinking or feeling. For example, the last thing I want to do was communicate that I don't value your work. I think your work has been excellent. The negative is an attempt to address the other person's thoughts and feelings. The positive is a statement of the shared purpose. It's amazing. You know, I actually gotta have to read that fucking book. <laughs> but yeah, I'm gonna end the episode there. Um, so I wish you the best health of happiness and also success and also hope that you're gonna remind yourself and you're gonna be remembered, which basically means your legacy and basically means just being a nice person and also being remembered as a nice person, which is a, a very beautiful thing. Another question that I'm having for you is what could you do, what could you make, what could you change to really make somebody's day? Or at least what could you say? Um, yes, I like communicating. It is just such an amazing thing. But uh, but just not to masses necessarily, but to just like one-on-one. I appreciate that. Like there's so much you can play with and there's so much that you, you can say and you can do. It's, it's amazing. It's fucking interesting. Three other questions that I'm having for you though are um, why are you here? What are you trying to change? And what is bothering you the most? These three questions hopefully going to show you your purpose and maybe even a business idea, which is a pretty cool thing. And um, with that being said, bye-bye. I wish you the best. And I'm hopefully also going to see you uh, next time. So bye-bye. Stay healthy, please.